Welcome to More to Come, PW Comic World's weekly podcast on graphic novel and comics publishing, recorded at the PW offices in New York City. I'm Calvin Reed, Senior News Editor of Publishers Weekly and Co-Editor of PW Comics World. Check us out online at publishersweekly.com slash comics. And I'm Heidi McDonald. I'm the graphic novels review editor for Publishers Weekly, as well as the editor-in-chief at The Beat at comicsbeat.com. You can check us out on Twitter at at PWComicsWorld. And I'm Kate Fitzsimmons. I'm the podcast producer. And you can find us online on Tumblr at PWComicsWorld.tumblr.com. And don't forget, you can subscribe to More to Come on iTunes. And on Facebook, we're at Facebook.com slash PWComicsWorld. All right, this week on More to Come. New York Times bestseller list. Um, gone or maybe not. We'll see. Uh, March, uh, book three, and the ALA. Economics, uh, more con news. And uh, a day at the Black Comic Book Festival in Harlem. All right. All right. Yeah, the big news this week. The New York Times has shafted comics. Just giving <laughs> them the shiv, man, like a mortal blow. Uh, well, they, they canceled... Oof, man, they canceled yeah. a whole bunch of bestseller lists. Now, what, yes. Calvin, you wrote a story about this. What's the big picture on this shocking well, development? I mean, well, what, one part of the big picture is Blindside. They were, nobody was noticed by it. Nobody had any advance notice. Uh, if you are a subscriber, as most publishers are, to the advance bestsellers, I mean, you get the thing a couple of weeks in advance, so you know what the next period will what'll be on the list before it's published. So most of those subscribers, they were shocked to look and see that, hey, where's the graphic novel list? Where's the manga list? Uh, as but, far, but, but I just want to make, I just think it's sure. really important to give this context that there was a bunch of lists that they canceled. yes, they yes. they limited a whole bunch comics. of them. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I, I mean, it's hard important. actually to know exactly the number because what happens is they have some lists that are in the print magazine right. and some there are some that are online. Right, and and they're going to retain some online and not some. So I mean, what we do know for sure is that the manga and the graphic novel bestseller right. list. Uh, are going to be dropped uh, beginning February 5th. Uh, we also know that the um, mass market trade paperback list, right? that's going to be, uh, oh. excuse me, mass market paperback now, list. Didn't, so that's going to be. Does this mean that a mass market paperback can make it onto the regular bestseller list? Or does this Probably mean they aren't not. counted well, at no, all? Well, no, because Probably they not, do, no. this is why it's, it's it's very confusing, because I believe they also eliminated some of the children's. They did. Some they, of the children's, uh, yes. correct? They eliminated uh, several children's ebook bestseller lists. Okay. Uh, the middle grade ebooks and, uh-huh. and young adult ebook right. uh, list now, I'm has look- been eliminated. Right. Now, I'm looking at it just to kind of give the overview of how this works. So, the, so what is significant? What is significant about the the graphic books, as the New York Times calls them, eliminating this, is that on their page, they there are really only four tabs on it. They have four categories of bestsellers. One is fiction. Well, yes, one mm-hmm. is fiction, nonfiction, children's, and graphic books with their own tabs. So they yes. were like an above-the-line category. Yes. So these other, like, tinkering is significant, but eliminating graphic books entirely is, is pretty major. And they also yes. have monthly lists, which are yes. online only, correct? Yes, For things exactly. like... Uh, animals, business, celebrities, crime and punishment, uh, espionage, and expeditions. <laughs> so it, I would love. I don't know. We don't know which ones of these are surviving. Correct? No. I mean, I actually have a list uh, of lists that are uh, the best lists that are remaining. Mm-hmm. If I can go through them if you want me to. Right. But I. But, okay. But, I guess why. So this is why I'm so curious about mm-hmm. all this. Okay. So 
Let's dial it back a little sure. bit about why they even started some of these lists. Uh-huh. Now, it was my understanding that they started some of the kids' lists because they were sick and tired of Harry Potter being on all seven slots well, on the kids' bestseller list. My understanding is the same because and, – and children's book publishers that had been uh, lobbying them mm-hmm. and, and asking the Times to do this because, you know, right. sure. Harry Potter was pushing everything off the list. Mm-hmm. Um uh, and then, of course, now we're in a period where children's books and YA books, in particular, are just like booming. Mm-hmm. Sure. So, um, so the uh, now also my so, understanding. Well, okay, go. Okay. So I'm my sorry. question, I guess, again, is like with those books that would normally have been counted in that category, are they now eligible once again for the category they used to be in, or is it one of those? Hey, we gave you your own category. Well, we well, eliminated think, it, and now your books don't count at all. I think before we answer that question, I just I'm, I'm detective. I'm laying out. I'm a DA. I'm laying out a case here, okay? <laughs> because my other understanding, like they've had these lists for almost ten years. Yeah. They've been running for yeah, nine years. So. Yeah. So mm-hmm. this was what well, I, I found. Um, a pa- a column written by Betsy Mitchell, former publisher of Del Rey, mm. back in two thousand eight, mm, where I she talks. Betsy, yeah, yes, sure. yes, where she talks about how. Uh, and this was behind the scenes. I think mm-hmm. you and I talked about this. Hard to remember what happened nine years ago, but this was quite um, <laughs> shocking. for me. <laughs> yeah. But uh, that there were, I think it might have even been Watchmen, which was a bestseller in the time before the movie came out. So there were these these graphic books mm-hmm. that were making the regular sales chart, the regular bestseller oh, list. Yeah. Mm. And when one of them in particular did, and now this is where my memory fails, which is yeah. bad that the Times was very upset about that. And then they just said, we're not going to do that anymore. And then there was so much outcry. They're like, all right, we're going to start this graphic books yeah. bestseller list. Why was the Times so upset? Well, that's, well, see, that's... That's a, yeah. Yes. I mean, now, but see, that's you can't what, get inside their heads. Right. But uh, that's what I... Well, but I, I do think... Yeah. I think that's part of this whole this whole thing, you know? I think that's... I mean, eliminating... Ma- then, okay. So then in a statement later in the day, they did... I don't know if you got the statement. <clears throat> I do have a statement from, um, but but my my man uh, Alex Liu, I got to mm-hmm. give him tremendous props because he actually kept on them all day and uh, got this statement from them. Who's it from? Uh, from Danielle Rhodes. He does not say who it was from, so uh-huh. Alex needs to learn this. But uh, it says genres related to the discontinued discontinued list will be included in the relevant remaining lists. So, Kate, that would seem to answer your question. Then I said, the discontinued list did not reach or resonate with many readers. What? This change allows us to expand our coverage of these books in ways that we think will better serve readers and attract new audiences to the genres. Well, first off, they think comics are a genre. So let's like just shoot that down right here. Okay? So they do not understand the difference between a genre and a medium. So, screw you, New York Times. (laughs) Yeah, well, the, the the statement I have also says they will continue all of these genres of books uh, in our news coverage and in print. Uh, and other comics publishers uh, have told me that they have been in communication with the Times and heard something similar to them. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> I don't know where to begin. I mean, I, I don't know why the Times started all these lists. I do think that that at a certain point, for, we have to also remember, we're, we're also talking about the Times in a different economic era. The Times is going through a lot yes, of changes right now. That is true. Uh, they have gone through a big up and down uh, examination of their businesses. And if I'm not mistaken, they, they did this about five years ago and about five years before that, dealing with the new climate for, for journalism. Mm, that's true. 
And they're constantly looking for new ways to, to do what they do. Uh, I think personally, and, I, and this is just really speculation, that they, um, that, I mean, I think the new iterations of the Times has looked to be more current, to, to be, um, they always want the journalism to be out in front. I think they saw the bestseller list um, and, and, a, and a wider variety of bestsellers as serving journalism, as serving their marketplace better, particularly because really comics have been kind of hot news really sure. for about the last 10 years. Absolutely. So to my mind, uh, and this is not from some sinister source, this is from me looking at it. These were in efforts to boost their business as journalists. Now, uh, I think what they've done in this new era where they are once again looking to, to basically cut costs uh, in a new economic climate, I think they're trying to say, do we need to do all of these lists? But I have to think, I have to feel, certainly for comics, this is a big mistake. Right. This is a booming and growing category that's transforming the publishing marketplace, has incredible ramifications to the larger media landscape. And in addition, the launch of the Times graphic novel list actually coincides with the booming of the category. It does. And, and you know, we just, I believe we talked about this in the last podcast, you know, that graphic novels were one of only a handful of genres, if you want to call them that, <laughs> to show increased sales. They're up in double yes, digits. Yes. They're up between 11 to 12 percent last yes. year. But this is so for the times. No other category no showed any other growth. Other category in, in adult fiction. So for the times to suddenly say this is the time that no one found this list relevant. Now, it is a little dirty secret that to make this list, you really don't have to sell too many copies. No. Yeah. Now. And okay, so this is another thing. Now let's just plug the home team here. Times lists are based on velocity, not total okay. amount. Okay, well I want to come back to that in a minute, but let's just yeah. point out that you know, hey, Publishers Weekly also has very reputable and uh, distinguished uh, bestseller list, right? But we base ours now on BookScan, correct? Yes. Okay, because we used to use a similar method to the Times uh, that was based on stores reporting and what. Um, Daisy thought. <laughs> uh, yes, that, that was primarily it. Now, we did do a, a comics bestseller list for a number of years uh, that, if I do say myself, was weighted in a way that I thought was fairly well done, uh, that you that balanced uh, direct market sales uh, with a book scan number. And how did you – you did that, correct, yes. Calvin? Yes. And how, how did you do that? I did it by um, – Finding likely titles in BookScan that had sold really well uh, for the weeks that we did it. I think it was it a monthly list. I'm, I'm sort of forgetting now. I don't now. think we did it that long, to be honest. I think there was a uh, we did it for more than a year. That's for sure. Okay. Um, and but it, actually, in those days, and I, the 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 direct market and the and the retail, the the general book trade were more of separate universes. They still are now, but there's more overlap. Mm -hmm. There are comic shops so, that are reporting okay. to BookScan. So you use BookScan as the basis, correct? Absolutely. So, BookScan, you, didn't, so yeah. you didn't use stores that reported? Uh, I use, I only use store. I use BookStand, and then I use direct market stores, basically information I got from Diamond Comics. Okay. To, to wait, to do a wait, because I could find titles that were doing well in the book trade on BookScan, and I could give them extra weight by how they were listed in the direct market in Diamond Comics. So you were really getting kind of, I was bringing numbers in that weren't necessarily in the book trade side. Right. So I used that to kind of weight the thing and bring in, basically what it did was bring in more superhero comics. Right. You know, into the mix. The, and so I thought I had a, a decent look 
a basket of titles, 10 titles that, you know, probably would go up and down, but probably most people would get those same 10 titles somewhere in that team. I think that, if I remember correctly, because I remember it was like when we first started that, we yeah. were talking about doing it, because I remember we were, we were going to originally have stores that reported, comic shops that reported, but then that went by the wayside. Yeah, that was, was what I was, I was yeah. going to do it at first, I remember yeah, yeah. now, mm-hmm. and then you took it over, and yeah. then I was going to use store reports, but anyway, we never yeah. got there. But we, I think we canceled it because we started to just use BookScan. Yeah, well, we canceled it because uh, our access to BookScan became harder and harder to get and um and at the time actually uh publishers weekly did not have its own access to bookscan right. and i had access right that's right so you were getting oh i see so you yes. were using it right uh, yes. illicitly so but, but but i think then we did have so now but now, now we do but have we do and we do have a monthly now we do have, we do have yes. a monthly graphic novel sales yes sales we do. chart which which isn't which we're going to spend more time emphasizing yes, i think in the future right. i think in the future we might want to make what the what's on our the pw bestseller list mm-hmm. for graphic novel maybe a quick look at it each week when we talk about right, it. right. i think we should Bring a little more attention right. to it. Well, I, anyway, I, what I'm trying to point out is, you know, among the most respected bestseller list, you know, certainly the Times is the number one. Oh, uh, you know, PW is still is very yes, respected. Yes, PW is And USA Today is yes, also a respected absolutely. list. Now, Times uses what kind of reporting method? They use Velocity? Well, as I understand it, the Times has a variety of uh, outlets that it uses, supposedly their secret, and uh, based around the country, they report to the Times. Uh, but the best way to get on the bestseller list is, it is my understanding from what I've heard over the years, is for books to sell, a lot of books to sell really fast. And by a lot, it doesn't have to be a super lot. But if a significant number of books sell very quickly, you're, you're more likely to get on gotcha. the bestseller list. Yeah. Now, you may not stay on there very long. Right. Now, yes, I, I think one of the things about the graphic novels list is that it has been dominated by Raina Telgemeier for, for yes. years. I think she's been on it. What yes. is it like? Something like. I think every book she's ever done is on. weeks or something <laughs> yes. like that. I mean, she's been on there a yes. ridiculous number of weeks. Yes. Um, as I said, it is not. You do not need to sell a whole lot of copies to be on that list. No. Like, you know, no. like barely four, four no. figures. Okay. Yeah. So this might have also been part of the reason. Um, but that said, that uh, said, do you think that things that sell enough to that they could get onto the regular bestseller list were they eligible will now get on, or will the right. Times decide that no list is relevant and uh, well, they not? Well, I, I think I think the Times has been sort of tone deaf in how they've responded to this. You know, first off, yeah. by I mean they've tried to respond. I yeah. will say that they're definitely trying to respond. Um, but, you know, I think that's something about, I mean, you know, calling it a genre, uh, you know, I mean, that ship sailed. <laughs> well, you know, there, there you go. Yeah. Um, this is the thing. Uh, I, well, I've kind of lost track of what we're talking about. I know. Here. Uh, so. Um, New York Times bestseller list. Yeah. I, I, mean, I, meant, I meant more the the, uh, the, the particular uh, mm. uh, thread that we were talking about. Okay. This is where we are. I think. Comics publishers are really, they're really feeling this. Um, I think that there's going to be some effort to reach out with the Times. Um, uh, and we have to remember, uh, other publishers are concerned too. Prose publishers are concerned. But you can, um, some ways you can make a case. I mean, if you look at um, mass market uh, paperbacks, I mean, that's the category that's in de- decline, undercut by ebooks for the most right. part. Because okay. the pricing has become so close between the two. Right. Um 
I mean, I don't know. Do 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 we really check for kids? E, you know, yeah. kids ebook so, sales. So you, what, so what you're saying is like even among. See, this is what I was trying to get a feeling about. It's like I think of the things that you know were eliminated. It probably did uh, affect graphic novels in an oversized way. I, I really do. Yeah. I really think this is a category that's growing, that's booming. Um, that we you know we've had a historic year. Just just talking about. About March, yes. Um, bestseller list, and and I think uh, you know Charles Kochman, you know the editorial director at Abrams uh, Comics Art. I spoke with him, and uh, he and he, I think he had some very good points about this. He says, "Look, how do you look? Comics are selling more than they've ever before in the book trade ever. That's still the numbers are still fairly small in comparison with the the larger world of right. books. How do you? What do you use within a house to, to tell?" your other colleagues, to tell the, your hierarchy, the right. leadership, that this book is actually a genuine success. Having a, li- a list devoted to comics and graphic novels, and manga too, um, is really indispensable for push bringing the, co- the, the the category out to letting people know that, hey, these books have a market. And I think at the top end, just talking about Rainer, we're seeing numbers go up in comics like we've never seen before yes. in the book trade. And I will say... Um, you know, at the beat, uh, Brian Hebbs has moved his column there, and every year he does a, oh, cool. a, a book scan um, where he leaks the numbers from book scan, mm. <laughs> and uh, so I will be responsible for that now. But uh, maybe I might have seen the books, the year's numbers uh, already this year. Maybe that list is already uh-huh. finished. And you know, my we'll, guess is when I do see that list, we'll soon find that out. it will be uh, very, very, very Rita Telgemeier centric, oh, uh, and also uh, other. You know, kids' books, yeah. all kids' comics on there. But I will notice, I think these numbers, these books are actually beginning to sell in numbers that matter. You know, absolutely. Big Nate by Lincoln Pierce is another one. I mean, we, you know, we go back yes, and forth. Yes, absolutely. You know, we go back and forth a Wimpy Kid. You can yeah, say I mean, what you, you want to it, It's a yeah. hybrid. Well, it's a hybrid. Yeah. The, you, you know, know publishing, you, a lot of prose publishing people try to say it's not a comic. Right, right. <laughs> so, but you know, the book is absolutely a hybrid. They, you yes, know, it and that's what it is. It would not be what it is without the drawings. There's no is. question about it. So anyway, I think these books, especially in the children's arena, are beginning to sell in numbers. I, I, you know, I don't know if you saw this, but Pamela Paul from the New York yeah. Times tweeted mm-hmm. a little bit. She says, quick note to fellow comics graphic novel fans. The Times is cut, not cutting back on coverage of these genres, formats, but rather expanding on coverage in ways that reach more readers than listed. To wit, new graphic novel reviews by comic artists, more reviews and more news and features about the genre and its creators. We are big fans and want to recognize growing readership. Stay Not tuned. a genre. Yeah. So, well, that's, you know. It's a medium, yeah. folks. But, but anyway. Yeah, but, but yeah. But she seemed to be trying to still the waters a bit there. Yeah. And I think, I, I, yes. Uh, and the the... the the communication that I received from the Times also, uh, that, you know, the change allows us to devote more space and resources to our coverage beyond the bestseller list. And well, we'll see. And also, and this is from, uh, Danielle Rhodes Hogg, VP of communications at the, mm-hmm. at the New York Times. We will continue to cover all of these genres of books, uh, in our news coverage and in print and online. And all of this is good. They're obviously trying to, you know, Calm everybody down. Yeah. Uh, the Times is not a marketing platform. They're a journalism platform. However, their impact, their imprimatur, as, as Charlie said, uh, their ability to validate a book, uh, yes. that's real. It is real. Yeah. And, oh, Kate, I'm sorry. What I was going to say is I think it's also good for context. Yes. Because if you look at yeah. the numbers on a incredibly well-selling graphic novel, I mean, not the one that would the very top number one, but like say number three, 
Um, that may not look very impressive to someone in the regular book trade. They'll be like, yeah, it's doing okay. Um, and so the context of having that bestseller list and say, yeah, it may be doing okay, but for what it is, it's like right up there. Right. Is that context is invaluable. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, uh, one thing that is really interesting about this, it's like you say, you know, I mean, to me, like, wow, mass market paperbacks, nobody reads those anymore, but you know, that's an end of an era there. But only graphic novels fans have been screaming and shouting about this. You yeah, that's, know. This I is mean, true. Yes, right. they are. They know, are they're, they're really. It's not Twitter like, was going oh, yes. nuts last night. There was, you know, there was not a, um, there's not a mass market paperbacks tr- group that's, you know, con <laughs> that's suddenly up so. in arms about this. So, uh, you know, the power of comics is 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 pretty clear here. Yeah. So, Well, I will say this. Uh, some big publishers who responded, who don't want to be named, um, uh, are not happy. They're they're they they're sort of perplexed by it. You mean uh, in just in comics or in, in prose? Yes, in okay. Prose. Yeah, I, they're yeah. in prose. They're, yeah, I got that they got they got to be that way. Yeah, too. they're a little no perplexed problem. about it. Uh, and I will say one thing. Uh, I've heard back from about six or seven comics publishers. Overwhelmingly, they're discouraged by this and dismayed. Um, but there are one or two uh, at, at big houses that are like, "Hey, we don't want this to go away," but. Uh, we do find their uh, meth- methodology baffling and not always terribly accurate <laughs> uh, in terms of how they're displaying uh, the relationships between these the book numbers out there. So, yeah. well, there was a the, the, there you go. There were a lot of books that made the Times list that you would never in the direct market have even vaguely considered a success. Okay, so right. I you know Draw to Quarterly and Fantagraphics had a lot of books on there. There was a lot of obscure. I'll be right. honest, obscure titles. Yeah. That were on there. Now, one title that isn't obscure, I want to shift a little bit here to talking about, uh, as this broke, uh, something of a conspiracy. I mean, there was some questions raised about yeah. maybe whether the timing of this, okay? I, we'll talk a little bit more about this. But basically, March, book three, which, of course, has, you know, swept over the world of comics and literary prizes. Yeah. Yeah, and has uh, swept the sales charts due to a phenomenon we'll get into in a few minutes. Right, but uh, but yes, basically, you know, Donald Trump and John Lewis had a had a war, oh, and yeah. that sent sales. Uh, it was the number one book on Amazon. It quickly sold out. So now, talk it, about it went up literally one over one hundred thousand percent. Yes, exactly. Now. now Going by what you said about sales velocity, there's pretty much this would have yeah, been the net the number one. So 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 there was some. Um, you know, some some questions being raised about, you know, was this some sort of slight at much? Now, I, I I honestly have to say that that to me is incredible because I think all these other things that we've been talking about are more to more are germane to the situation. However, it does have the effect of this amazing you yeah. know thing that happened that we'll talk a little bit more about. Um, not being recognized by this chart, unless like to me, okay, so here's my question, Mister Sales Velocity. To me. <laughs> Like maybe the number two, one and two books on the sales chart should be March and 1984. Because from what I'm hearing, these books are selling like hotcakes yeah. in our new era under Could President be. Trump. So, you know, this, like, I, I think, like, you know, at first I was like, well, there's no way. But the, the but I think this does show, like, the Times methodology. We got to be curious about, yeah. about how it is affected. Kate, you've been kept questioning this. I mean, March... um. You know, well, I mean, let's let's talk about this. Let's talk about what happened with March. Uh, yeah. You know, basically. Oh yeah, well, we, he, March got trolled by our president. Yeah, no, no, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Jo- well, no, 
Representative John Lewis got trolled by a president. Well, yes, yeah, excuse yes. me. You're right. It you're was right. before the inauguration. Right. So no, it president was. elected at that time. Yes, yes. yes. But, but excuse was, me, but you're back right. Back in the golden age of mm. life right. as it used John to be. John Lewis got trolled by our president. Yeah, not, yes. and then uh, immediately sales shot up. Yeah. yeah. And it was not like um, on Amazon over the weekend, um, it was the number one, two, and three books. Yeah. Uh, no, it, no. No, the number two was another book by him that yes, was not that a was his, novel. That was his, his prose, yes, this is prose, his book. prose bo- yes, autobiography, are, yes. often forgotten. Yes. But, um, <laughs> but uh, anyway, so, uh, so- Well, there was some talk that actually Amazon actually sold out of every copy that it had or it something did. like that. Yeah, it was unavailable. It sold out. Yeah. yeah. It did sell out. It yeah. Sold out. So, um, and they were talking about how they needed to print more. Yeah, and, you know, but that, but Diamond even released a press release that said, hey, we've got copies we've got in copies. stock. So yeah, if you so. want a copy in March- uh, you know, you can get that. So it was a heartening, very heartening. Yeah. So it would be sad. It would be sad to see this, you know, protest um, purchase not recognized. And I would, like I said, I would be very curious. Uh, I think. So will we, have we seen the lists for that week yet? Are, are they out yet? Well, the week, I mean, it's, the, 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 there's no list in the next one that comes out. So. Well, no, <laughs> but no, but I mean, wouldn't it, it would, given the sales numbers, it should be counted in the nonfiction bestsellers if there's no graphic well, uh, novel list to put it on. Well, see, that, that could see, be. See, that's I, what I'm trying yeah. to But I'm saying I wanted to check. Yeah. Like, that, is there any way to check? Well, or is that the people not out who yet? were emailing me about this have the advance, and none of them were saying, hey, it's okay. in the, the nonfiction. Ooh. They're all saying that they don't see, you know, they don't mm-hmm. see a graphic novel list. Now, maybe they didn't look. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe at the time they weren't thinking about it. Um so we'll have to get back to you on that, right, folks. Right, right. But I, uh, but I, but this, this, like, just as as Kate was saying, because I will say that, you know, eight years ago, I, granted, it was a very different world in a lot of ways, but also a lot of people at times think the same way as they do. There's of a lot of old guarders. They're the same yeah. people. So eight years ago, there was a lot of people who did not want to put a graphic novel on the list, and that is why they created this list that That's then true. became so important to the graphic novel. <laughs> so I'd be very curious to see if these sales from March are reflected uh, uh you know in, yeah if it makes um, if it makes the bestseller list and i would yeah. say i'd be very curious to see our own uh, gra- you know our own yeah. publishers weekly sales charts as well to yeah see no, it, I, that's what we'll have it, to take a look at because i see we yeah. they should have um a trade paperback right it would, yeah, it would yeah, be a trade the, paperback the paperback non-fiction. trade fiction and paperback non-fiction yes. will remain online yes so so we'll let's see. see. Well, I'm going to make a bold prediction, okay? I do believe that they're going to keep some of these genre lists. And I think they said specifically sports, which just blows my mind. But um, if they do keep some of these uh, genre lists online, I predict that graphic novels will be one of them eventually. That's my I, prediction. Yeah, I, I, I'm hoping that the that the Times uh, takes another look at this. Yes. Uh, if, there's, if there was anything that it would seem like that's a pure positive, is having the graphic novel bestseller list. Uh, they really have a, a huge hand simply by doing their jobs at growing this category and really, really, I mean, transforming American literature. So I, I don't understand the problem. Well, why why do they not like graphic novels so much? I mean, given that you look at the bestseller list and you see so many. You mean graphic books, Kate? <laughs> but I, but my I'm, mistake. But I'm just trying to say that's part of the issue right there. You know, yeah. comics have a very tarnished, and we see this ourselves. We've talked about this on this podcast over and over and over again. It's a real generational shift. Yeah, you know, a lot of older people in the publishing industry, uh in all different wakes of the publishing industry, 
uh, do not uh, appreciate graphic novels and see them as still the filthy superhero but, trash. And what I don't understand is that, like, when you look at the bestseller lists for fiction, most of those books you could not describe as anything but pulp. And yet, it's okay for them to be on the list. Well, the, I'll tell you, this is, if I may, I think one of the issues we have here is this that I, I, we're in a, a period where there's great support and embrace of the graphic novel yes. concept. Yes. Uh, there's the great New Yorker cartoon of a couple of years ago of uh, two people coming out of a bookstore. Uh, and saying, oh, God, does that, do I have to pretend to like graphic novels now? <laughs> so I think we're in a certain way. What we have is our um, people in leadership positions who are all for the graphic novel, except they don't actually read them themselves. Right. So there's a missing component in their support. And I do think there's a, sometimes a tendency to think that it's great and not a real book. Right, I think that there's some that that continues. There's some skepticism still. Yes, yeah, there's, there's still some and, skepticism, and they don't see it as animosity. They just see it as you know a pure you know value concept. Well, everyone knows prose books are real books, and the other right. books these are nice, but you know right. these are real books. Right. Um, at the end of the day, I think that uh, sometimes it has to keep coming back around in front of these gatekeepers and reminding him that these are books like every other book. So, so is this basically the whole? Rap's fine, but it's not actually music thing. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah well, totally. We could certainly do it, and you know that exists in the poetry world too. Yes. You know, this is poetry, and rap is some other thing that goes. You on know, uh, when people open and close if, their mouths. If you remember when there was, if you're old like me and Calvin, you can, or old like me, uh, can't speak for Calvin. <laughs> but uh, if you look at <laughs> the old bestseller list in the New York Times, like way back in the day, like in the '80s, they really only had four or five there was the bestseller fiction hardcover bestseller hardcover nonfiction, and then there was a trade paperback yeah. bestseller list which you know back then trade paperbacks were not the huge force they are now i mean mass yeah. market was more mass market was was, was big thing. way bigger but trade was coming out and i do remember specifically that on the trade list every month was nothing but garfield and um <laughs> What else was big then? Gurdunsbury, maybe? I mean, there was these... these when I got into publishing, it was Kleiben. Yes, yes, Kleiben. Yes, 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 the great Kleiben. Kleiben, but, yeah, but however this, you say his but name. But this he trade, was, let me tell you... Every book he had I, went I on I mean, this is probably before you were born, but I'm telling you, the, 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 this trade book bestseller list would be like nothing but comic strip collections. Yes, yeah, Like yeah. week after week, year after year. And they finally... Like had to change it because again they didn't like the fact that it was nothing but Garfield, ne- yes. you know. So and and yeah. um, a, a, a thousand things to do with a dead cat. Yeah, like mostly <laughs> books about cats. It yeah. was cartoon books about cats. But uh, Cleveland was huge, and um, he had a series of books, and oh, they all would go so straight brilliant. to the bestseller they're list. They're so amazing. He was great. So, you know? but um, but yeah, like Bloom County was on there. Yeah, eventually. well, all of the collections. Yes, of the syndicated comic strips. Yes, they were huge. You know, they were huge. Yeah, but um, so, as well but they same. did. But they also had to get rid Bloom of that, County. so they created a whole new nonfiction yeah. list that was called like How to or something, so that they would have books that weren't Garfield. Um, all right. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I guess. I but, guess this whole like this whole picture is strange to me because most of the books that I buy in actual paper format are either graphic novel or science fiction or fantasy in which like the paperback reigns supreme. Right. So it'd be like 
nobody buys paperbacks anymore. I'm like, but that's all I see in the bookstore. Yeah. Is yeah. Because well, I'm I mean, not in ma- the other parts of the bookstore. Mass market paperbacks are what's really taking the hit because of the price differential. Uh, and also, you know, they don't print, they don't publish stuff in mass market like they used to. I mean, when yeah. I was a kid, I mean, you, you wanted James Baldwin or John Updike, you could get $5, those little $5 yeah. chunky. Yeah. You know, paperbacks, but you know, now it's or let alone you spend, you know, like a little five dollar romance novel or sure, five dollar sure. yeah. thriller but, or something. But the category and you had threw it a, into your a, backpack, or your purse. The category but, had a really wide range from yeah. complete trash to like literary classics. Right, but it's not so much like that anymore. Well, yeah, well, now it's the non prestige stuff. Well, uh, listen, to, just to wrap this up, the times f effed up. You know, <laughs> yeah, and I, they, I think so. They did. I mean, maybe by killing mass market paperback had a reason to do it, but graphic novels—it's one of the fastest growing categories, people. So uh, it's not going to fly. And let me segue. I'm going to segue now. Yeah. Are we good? Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. let's segue, segue, segue to yeah. talking about something that happened earlier this week, which was the ALA meeting, yes. uh, where they give out all the awards. And in past years, comics have done quite well. And this year was not a, an exception. And I know we've mentioned it every week here, and we've just mentioned a whole bunch, but guess what? March Book 3 was, again... I mean, you, you we is, can't get away from this book. You cannot get away from this book. It won four <laughs> major awards, including the Prince uh, Award, which yep. is like the, the Newberry for YA books, right? Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, it's the best YA book of the year, Yes, essentially. It, it yeah. won, also won um, the uh, Silver Award for... The Robert, uh, mm-hmm. Robert Siebert Award. Yes. Uh, it also won... Uh, for information. The best for, information for, for book. For kids. Yes. yes. And then mm-hmm. it won the nonfiction award... The Yalsa. For young yes, adults. Yalsa. And, uh, and it also won the Coretta Scott yes. King yes. Book Award for books for children and young adults yes. that demonstrated appreciation of African-American yes. culture and universal human values. Yes. So uh, anyway, this book could not be honored anymore, really. Yeah. No, it's um, just... And First time a book has come away with four awards too. By the yeah, way, yeah, it was it was a, a, just a, a record smasher, um, and uh, we've congratulated them so many times here. Yes. But once again, shout outs to, of course, Rep, and uh, may John I say, Lewis and more, yeah, Andrew if you, Iden, if you visit the More to Come uh, podcast archives, there are two uh, interviews yes. there with co-creators uh, of Representative John Lewis, uh, Andrew Iden, uh, and Nate Powell. Live interviews uh, that I did with them. Yes. And they talk about various aspects of creating the book. And you know, I don't know how much this has been talked about, but it is possible. I mean, given what's going on, you know, all the turmoil, to be uh, fairly neutral about it, what's going on in our government, uh, so which, you know, John Lewis is, is still involved with, thank God. But yes. uh, it is possible that there might be another book by this team. Uh, I think it's a really good chance yes. that there's going to be <laughs> another book. I actually was able to ask him that at the National yes. Book Awards, and uh, I, you know, he kind of looked around at uh, Nate and uh, Andrew because I think you know the publishers probably said you know keep it on the down low. Yeah. But they said you know uh, I think it's fair to say that there'll be more to come. Right. I think there. I think that if this award-winning team does not reunite for yet another book, because as uh, it was pointed out to me. Uh, March trilogy really only goes up to like the early six, right yeah. the, the sixties. Yeah. And guess what? That was fifty years ago. So there's yeah. fifty more years of uh, you know, yeah, John even Lewis's if it's life. far more summarized. Yeah, still yes. at least one more book. Right. Come so on. there's a lot more to get him from there to Congress. So uh, I would, Absolutely. I would love to see that book. How about yeah. you guys? I would, I'd, I'd buy that. Book. I would, I'd even, buy or, that book, or, or and even, I can probably get it free. <laughs> yes. I, I want to throw out some other books that were 
yeah, uh, graphic I, yeah, novels that are yeah. mm-hmm. uh, Torsten, one of another one of my uh, my team at the beat. Uh, was stay woke up in the morning and listened, and he wrote them down. Okay, let's see. Low Riders to the Center of the Earth by Kathy Camper and Raul the Third received the Pura Belpre Illustrator Award. Uh, it's a graphic novel mm-hmm. for uh, young readers uh, about uh, low riders. It's actually a uh-huh. really beautiful book. Um, we Are Growing by Lori Keller won the Geisel Award for the best beginning reader book. Uh, it's a good one. This one blows my mind. Um, the Odyssey Award for the best audiobook for children and young adults was won by the audiobook adaptation of Nimona. Now, I did ah. not even know there was such a thing. <laughs> I had no idea. But ah, it interesting. has won that. Yes. I missed that. Yes. Um, let's see. The Alex Award is given to adult books which appeal to teens. And Ryan North, who is a very well-known cartoonist, mm. he writes Squirrel Girl and many other things. Uh, he wrote a book, Romeo and or Juliet, A Choosable Path Adventure, uh, and it won that Alex Award. And uh, Sh- Vera Brosgel, a cartoonist uh, many times, she received a Caldecott Honor citation for her book, Leave Me Alone. It's not a comic. Yeah. It's an illustrated book. Yeah. But certainly Vera Brosgel is... Uh, yeah, she's well-known in the comics. She's very well-known as yeah. a cartoonist. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, it's certainly very common for graphic novels to do well at the ALA Awards. You know, the y- Yelsa list also came out with a whole bunch of books. Yes. Uh, but it was a great year, and of course, March triumphed in ways that probably we, we won't uh, see for quite a while again, yeah, okay. if ever. Uh, well, congratulations yes. yet again <laughs> to the March crew. Uh, shall we segue to yes. right. economics? Okay, well, oh a couple of things. I know we've been talking about this every week here, but uh, there's so many developments that are happening in this world. Um, and there's so many different facets. Yeah, to, to there's it. so many facets. Well, here's an interesting one. So we're, I think we're really starting to see with Wizard World did something really, really bizarre and that they send out the letter to all their uh, vendors and said, we won't take credit cards for your booth anymore. So if you want to buy a booth, like they have all these shows. So say you want to reserve booths at like, you know, four of their 20 shows, you need to send them a check for the amount of money which seems or cash or you cash, cash or you know or a cashier's check which is the equivalent of cash uh or a money order because you know if everybody sends out money orders and checks right is that how everybody but they'll does? take a personal check yes right. yeah, what is this 1975 well, well so basically they're acting like a dodgy chinese restaurant <laughs> yes exactly they can't afford their credit card bills well i was told they're like this Blue, like you know how we're talking about this New York Times thing. Let me say this really blew up among vendors because they just went ballistic when they heard this. So there's a couple of different theories being floated. One of them is yes, you save a lot of money in credit card fees because two or three percent over, yeah. you know, all this money, it ends up being about fifty thousand dollars, let's say. Yeah. Uh, which to me, if you're a company running a business, isn't that much money? But uh, we don't. Their finances obviously aren't yeah. that awesome. The other theory is that. Should they cancel a show, which has happened, hmm. uh, they the vendors who had purchased a booth would not be able to get their money refunded very easily hmm. because it was paid in cash. So yeah, uh, yeah. so that sounds that's not cool. It's a little dubious. Yeah. Now I just heard. Now I just got back from Intix, which is a uh, conference for people who sell tickets. But uh, a lot of interest among Comic Cons there, like people. Yeah. Yes, it was. I, I did learn an awful lot about tickets. I will say that. Uh, but there was definitely some people involved in the Comic-Con, you know, ticket-selling business there, but some rumors going around. So I heard, I heard 
that uh, Wizard World also the the company that does the photos has also pulled out and huh. was working with them. And Wizard World switched from uh, Ticket Leap to another company whose name is part of Ticketmaster, but it's like hmm. the most hated part of Ticketmaster. <laughs> so well, that doesn't uh, sound so good. <laughs> let's just say Wizard has completely like shifted all the way they do business and um i had on the beat i had a uh a a piece called whatever happened to comic-con by uh, a guy who goes by the name of brian at mini world and uh this got tons and tons of coverage because he really just went out and said from the vendor's point of view what's happening uh and and he said that vendors at all these comic cons, their sales are down. Yeah. Their sales are down about twenty percent yeah. over like the past year. And he mm. says it is because there's too many nerd it's celebrities. There's a glut, but it's also because you know people are spending money for these these celebrities. And um, I mean, there's just too much. People yeah. don't have. Well, he also says done. there's too many shows. There's too many shows. <laughs> yes. yes. Uh, in, uh, in in even the so-called good shows seem to be not. Making their guarantees, uh, their their target right attendance. Uh, there are too many of them clustered around a single weekend. Yeah, it's a very it was a very interesting um, yeah. story. Well, yeah, and and to be fair, it wasn't all grim. He was kind of giving vendors tips on yes. how you can avoid yes, this was. problem. So you know, like, but you can't just take showrunners at their word. You need to do your research. And look at the ones that like have a history and are not just some guy who's never done a show before and claims are going to have twenty thousand people. Um, that you would be better off at doing a um, a show that doesn't have nerd liberties that charges you less right. for the table, yeah. right? Yeah. Uh, and you may make more money that way, even if it looks on paper like yeah. a smaller con. Yeah, yeah. I, I, so I, you know, people are just got to get smarter. Uh, just two other notes on the con front. Um, uh, you know, we talked again about Phoenix Comic Con, how they oh, were yes. making mm-hmm. volunteers pay to volunteer. Yeah. Now they're paying people. Now they, the, the organizer put out a statement. It's like they're just going to hire people. They're going to hire people to work at the show. They're well, not going to do volunteers. You know, if it takes, you know, if it takes a thousand unpaid people to run your business, maybe it's not a for profit business. <coughs> <laughs> or, well, I mean, it's. I, I, I mean, yeah. I don't. You know, that's. That, I mean, some of these narratives, I'm, I'm, I'm starting to wonder. Really, <laughs> if you need this much, you know. Oh, it's for profit. Virtual You're just slave not labor. Good at making profit. Maybe you should be a a nonprofit. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> well, but well, but see, the thing is, I feel like the people who are doing this, who want to be a for profit and are using this virtual uh, unpaid labor. Uh, like they're in it for the profits. Like they wouldn't be there if there weren't any profits. That's why they're doing yeah. it that way. So, I mean, if you can't make a profit on your for-profit business without doing something illegal, then your business is not viable. Right. And uh, you know, Dragon Con is still uh pay to pay to work. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So we'll see a lot. Yeah. So we'll see well, a lot more. Yeah. We're going to see a lot. Yeah. There's definitely more to come of this. And finally, right. despite what we're saying about all these issues, you can still put on a first year show that people love. Uh, Fantasy yes. was just held. This was a Comic Con on a cruise ship. Now this has been tried a couple mm-hmm. times before, but not on this scale. So they basically had people like Scott Snyder, Frank Miller, Amanda Connor. Uh, you know, a whole bunch of comics pros. They also had some Walking Dead cast members. They had some of the kids from Stranger Things. They had the same things you have at a Comic-Con. They had panels. They had cosplay. They had dances. Like, I, everyone I know, I haven't talked to them. So maybe uh, if I hear different, I'll let you know, listeners. But uh, everybody who I know who are straight shooters were like, this is the best yeah. time they oh, had. That's cool. You know, Very so cool. 
Uh, it w- was well attended, and everybody had a good time. So there's life in them, the Archons. Yeah. Okay. Uh, okay. Well, I, I'm going to give a quick recap of Black Comic Book Festival. Uh, we're, uh, this is another show, but boy, this is a show. <laughs> this see, is a show that's that's working well. But you see, that's it. There, there's still there's still room. There, there's still room for a successful show. Uh, in fact, this show's doing so well. And once again, I mean, I think we mentioned this before, and I don't throw this to to knock the venue because it is a great venue, the Schomburg Library in in in, in Harlem. But I mean, it's bursting at the seams. Uh, I mean, I got there in, in the late afternoon. It was packed. I mean, you could barely get into it. Wow. That's it. Um, everyone seemed to be happy. People were selling everything. Um, uh, I saw, you know, a, a lot of uh, uh, young comics people that I didn't know, Stefan Mateo, Teflon Funk. I couldn't even talk to him. He was just mobbed by fans, and he had all kinds of merchandise to sell. Um, it was really great. Uh, these two brothers, Marcus Williams and Greg Burnham, who do this this um, comic, Tuskegee Airs, fabulous looking book, beautifully drawn, really interesting. It's kind of based on the Tuskegee Airmen, but it's a science fiction set in the future. Nice. Very beautiful, incredible artwork, a lively action sci-fi thriller, kind of using the, the Tuskegee Airmen, um, with beautifully designed characters. You got to check this out. Uh, uh, Black, the the Kickstarter funded comic. Those guys were there. Kwanzaa, Oshiefo. I, I hope I'm not man- mangling your <laughs> I name. I only know uh, him as Kwanzaa. Kwanzaa. I, I, I apologize. They were all there. Uh, Kwanzaa was there. Curry Randolph, Tim Smith, Jamal Eagle was around, but I couldn't find him. They were there signing. Lots of media was there. It was a great um, uh, panel. There was a great uh, all day of panels. I only got to the very last one, which was terrific. Comics and hip hop, and it had an all star panel of. Uh, Eric or uh, A.L. Davis from The Source, who did that back page on The Source. Ron Wimberly was there showing off Prince of Cats. Um, Soul Rebel, which was uh, she was a single woman on the panel. I don't know her work really well, but she was certainly a dynamic personality up on the stage. Daryl McDaniels, Run DMC. So hip-hop and comics was literally there. And Jonathan Gray, the professor, again, of the professor of comics. Right, that's right. He was there doing the moderation. Uh, Keith Knight was there showing off. He's got a new children's book novel, an illustrated novel. Jake the Fake keeps it real with Craig Robinson uh, and and Adam Monsback. They were there. I mean, it just goes on and on. Um, how many uh, how many attendees do you think? You know what? I don't I don't have a head count. Uh, I'm mean, telling you, uh, there's some um, there's some video clips online of the line to get in in the morning that is endless. Uh, everybody I talked to said it was jam-packed all day. Right. I got there about three thirty-four, and you could barely get into the wow. place. Everywhere you went, it was really crowded. Uh, it's a very small venue. They pack a lot in there. There's also a, a gallery uh, space for exhibitions. Um, so there's not. It's interesting. There's not a lot of exhibitors. Uh, but there's a lot of fans. You know, I just, I, I just, again, I want to just reiterate. You know, like, like cons aren't dead. Just bad, no. bad cons are dying. Yeah. that's the thing. Yeah, you know, like this experience is, uh, and you know, I, again, at this Intix, uh, I was there to do a panel. I did a panel with um, Rob Salkowitz, who writes about, and the people oh, yeah. who attended mm-hmm. the panel were people who uh, own, you know, small theaters, performing arts spaces, um, you know, stuff like that. And they want to get into this. They want to get involved. Yeah. You know, I mean, that's the, what the questions are about: is how do we, yeah, you know, partner with a comic con? How do we get them to do their great event? And you know, an, an obvious. And I said, this is the thing: the game is upped. 
The whole game yeah, is being up. It's like, you know, just people with, with pipe and drape and cardboard boxes, you know, can work. Yeah. When the expectations if you are plan right. it well, absolutely. If you plan it well, but it's like the, the, the game has been, the bar is yeah. being raised all the time. And, you well, know, there's enormous interest out there absolutely. for the right kind of shows. Absolutely. There's no doubt you know, about it. There's just no question. So, uh, so right. that sounds great. And well, from there, we're going to move on to the news briefs. Yes. So, um, in a competition between Netflix and Amazon, it may be anime fans who win. Because in the last couple of weeks, both uh, Netflix and Amazon have made announcements uh, that are relevant to your interests, if you like anime, dear listeners. Um, Amazon, which has long had a number of branded video channels available to people with Amazon Prime, where they're from different TV channels or companies, like you pay an extra fee, you get a bunch of their content. Well, Amazon has started its first own specific pay for channel. Uh, and it is going to be nothing but anime. It's called Anime Strike. Uh, and that's $5 a month on top of your Amazon Video or Amazon mm-hmm. Prime. And I mean, this is huge because up until now, the only thing Amazon branded are the stuff they make themselves. Right. And that's just Prime. You just get yeah, it. Right. But Amazon Strike are, you know, pre existing anime. Many, 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 many which you're paying Amazon for, and Amazon is basically your aggregator. Yeah. So they're they're trying to get in on that sweet, sweet, crunchy yeah. roll action. Yeah. Um, but meanwhile, Netflix is not letting Amazon outdo them because Netflix is hiring an international originals staff for Tokyo. And uh, they have not confirmed what kind of originals they will be purchasing, uh-huh. But word on the street is at least some of it's going to be anime. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Cool. Well, uh, you know, obviously, we've talked about this before, but there's some great stuff. You know, Death Note was yeah. on there, obviously, Crunchyroll. Uh, yes, yes, I, absolutely. I was just running into, you know, <laughs> I ran into somebody at the, the mall when I was in New Orleans, and I had my Comic-Con bag, and Scott got caught talking. He's like, oh, yeah, I love to watch anime on Crunchyroll. There you go. Well, and, yeah, there's you plenty know, of yep, it there. out there. Out right. There. And yeah. so, you know, the two giants yes. are trying to get in on the action. Yep. There's nothing that's better for any medium or genre than two giants battling. Yeah, and it's true, actually. Well, in that, this you know, case, competition is supposed to be the key. It's good. You know, more content mm-hmm. is good. Um, and speaking of both anime and about how, you know, Live events and conventions are a booming thing. Well, apparently, the convention and live event uh, market in Japan is booming as well, fast-growing. A segment of the manga and anime-related industry at the moment is live events. And they have gotten (laughs) one which I would say tops the creativity of any convention in the United States so far. They kicked off um, the second season of Ushoten Kazuku, uh, The Eccentric Family, with a blessing at a UNESCO heritage site, uh, Kyoto's Shimagamo Shrine. Uh, <laughs> people put in, they spent the equivalent of $20 for a raffle ticket. Over like 2,500 people like bought this little raffle ticket. And then the lucky winners... Uh, got, you know, a ticket to get into this shrine in Kyoto where, like, the high priest was, mm. like, blessing 
the anime season <laughs> series. Um, they and do, they do anime right in Japan. They do. Now, now to be fair, it's it's not random. The anime is in fact set in Kyoto. Yeah. And stars uh, Japanese mythical creatures. Uh huh. But even so, like everybody got their own little Tanuki cosplay poncho, which they all wore. So you get these <laughs> pictures of this this august shrine that is a World Heritage Site filled with 200 uh, fans in their official ponchos. <laughs> the mayor of Kyoto was there. And, of course, everyone got gift bags and all the voice actors were there, too. And so all I can think is, like, this is the equivalent of, like, St. Patrick's Cathedral doing a tie-in event for the young folk. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> nice, nice. <laughs> it's that level of, well, well really? Well, they really? love this okay. stuff. They love this in Japan. God bless Japan. Well, that, that tied it up very nicely. One more item. So Shelly Bond, former Vertigo <laughs> editor, uh, is back. She's got a big anthology coming out with over 30 short graphic novel stories. Go Shelly. Uh, called Femme Magnifique, about uh, groundbreaking women mm. uh, with a cast of comic creators that is fairly evenly balanced between men and women. Mm. And uh, it's going to be crowdsourcing its funding any day now. And um, we look forward to yeah. seeing more on this project. It looks yeah. hyper cool. It, it does. Has, it looks very cool. It has a great yeah. lineup. And yeah. it's going to be hardcover, full color. And I don't know much about that company that's that's sponsoring it, but they, they, they do a lot of comics work, color work, hi-fi. Hi, well, hi-fi. Yeah, they're colorists. Yeah. So Brian Miller and his wife. Fabulous yeah, work on yeah, their they're, website. They're, yeah, they're, they're colorists oh. who color a lot of comics yeah, for a lot of yeah. people. So they've been around forever. Brilliant though. stuff if yeah. you look through their website. So I didn't, yeah. I really didn't know their name. Yeah, I, I've worked with them. I'm like psyched to see this book without a doubt yeah so it sounds good well hey can i just mention very quickly also that the black comic book festival was held january 13th and 14th in harlem and the co-founders are john jennings the artist the comics artist who has a book out in january uh best-selling as i understand the adaptation of kindred oh yes that's right yes the final the final bestseller for the new york actually the final bestseller list and uh and jerry craft mama's boys the the the, the black comic strip so um Oh, yeah, no. so it's been great. Yeah, yeah. so anyway, oh, good things what, still happening. Listen, we're going to get through this all together uh, while reading comics. <laughs> yes, that's uh, well. In print or yes, uh, digitally. A so, lot of hard reading over the next yeah. four years, yeah. And there will be. More. To come.